Welcome to The Nonprofit Voice, a podcast series brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. In each episode, we're going to sit down with leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people responsible for paving the way for our sector, along with key technology strategy partners who are transforming our industry. Here at the Nonprofit Voice, we'll have refreshing conversations in which we will all learn more about the convergence of nonprofit and technology. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to find more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice. And you can download all of the Nonprofit Voice episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We will have all the links down below. Hi, welcome back to the Nonprofit Voice. I'm Amanda Cole, the Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro and host of today's episode. Thanks for joining me. On today's podcast, we will be chatting about a variety of ways to further your nonprofit education. Our guests are Lauren Groh, Director of Development and Adjunct Professor at Westchester University Foundation in Westchester, PA, and a a teaching assistant at the University of Pennsylvania. We also have Elizabeth Abel, Senior Vice President at CCS Fundraising and an instructor at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Lauren and Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. We're excited to be here. Uh, Before we dive in, can you guys tell us a little bit more about yourself and your organizations? Yes, absolutely. Um, My name is Lauren Groh again, and I am a director of development at Westchester University um, outside of Philadelphia, and I am specifically a major gift officer for the College of Arts and Humanities and the College of Education and Social Work. Um, Outside of that, I also teach a class, a marketing class specifically, um, to undergraduate students, and I partner with Elizabeth annually as a teaching assistant at the University of Pennsylvania, um, teaching a philanthropy and fundraising course in the uh, master's program that I graduated from, as did Elizabeth. And my name is Elizabeth Abel. As Amanda mentioned, I'm a senior vice president at CCS Fundraising, which is a global fundraising consulting firm that partners with nonprofit organizations on large-scale fundraising campaigns. And I am also thrilled to be in the classroom. I've been teaching now for about five years as part of the nonprofit leadership program at the University of Pennsylvania, and together with Lauren, focusing on the donor journey and trends in philanthropy, as well as tools for fundraisers to both serve their institutions and grow vibrant careers in development. Okay, great. Let's get started. So you both, as you mentioned, you both have masters in nonprofit leadership. Take me back to your thought process for pursuing your masters. Where were you in your career? What were your aspirations? When I graduated from college, I was at a commencement ceremony, um, you know, about to walk across stage. And I realized that I was definitely not done in the classroom. It was just a matter of what and when I would go back for, for my master's. And I started my career at Longwood Gardens, which is a public garden, um, again, outside of Philadelphia. And I completely fell in love with the nonprofit sector. I was working with brilliant professionals and I loved the grittiness of working in the social sector. And I started exploring possibilities and I stumbled upon the University of Pennsylvania's nonprofit leadership program, fell in love with it. It was the only application I had submitted for my master's program, and I am so glad that I did. It was um, a several-year journey of complementing my full-time experience um, in the classroom as well, and um, it really prepared me for my nonprofit career um, and obviously still in touch with the University of Pennsylvania in a couple different ways. Like Lauren, I 
always knew that I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector. My academic background was in international relations and peace and justice studies with a focus on Holocaust and genocide education. So always knew that I wanted to do good, have a positive social impact and serve communities. The question just became in what capacity. And as I was contemplating jobs upon graduating undergrad, I found myself actually quite frustrated because I felt like the positions that I was qualified for based on my skills and leadership experience as a volunteer and um, just my own you know, personal strengths, I felt like I was underqualified for on paper. And then the positions that I was qualified for based on, you know, quite candidly, my age and experience and, you know, entry level roles, I just found myself not feeling very excited by. And so I decided to go pursue my master's degree with the hope that this would be both an enriching educational experience and then more importantly, a career accelerant. And quite honestly, it was both of those things. I found myself learning so much about the nonprofit sector in terms of nonprofit missions and programs and operations, and then found my niche in philanthropy, which was really where I learned the critical role that philanthropy plays as the driver in all of the work that nonprofit institutions are able to do. And, and now you guys are actually both in front of the classroom. So can you give me a little bit kind of who's in your classes and, and kind of whether their mindsets are similar to what yours were, or if they're, you know, if there's a, a wide variety of people in these classes? It's actually remarkable how both of our stories came full circle. And it's not uncommon to pursue a graduate degree or engage in an extracurricular program as a student and then give back as a volunteer and educator. And that's what both Lauren and I have done. And so our program specifically is um, tailored to nonprofit professionals who are looking for continued education in the field. And it focuses really on at least the course that we are involved in, which is called Fundraising and Philanthropy, the Donor Journey. It provides a holistic approach to philanthropy. So looking at high level trends in philanthropy, um, key topics influencing the sector, and then what are some action-oriented strategies that nonprofit leaders, whether they're an executive director, a development director, a development coordinator, they're contemplating a career in fundraising, what are some strategies that they can take to build strong fundraising programs, to make the case for support, to make the gift request or the ask, and to really understand and master the donor journey. And so that's really the arc and narrative of our class. We have about 25 students each year, which is really exciting just to see the interest that people have in gaining practical, applicable fundraising skills. And do you get a, do you keep track or keep in touch with your students to kind of see where they end up going or what they're, you know, what they're able to accomplish after, after having that degree? Yes, absolutely. One of the most uh, fantastic parts about graduating from our master's program is the community of alumni and graduates of the program. Um, we actually have a couple different ways we stay in touch, including a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group, and Elizabeth and I both serve on the nonprofit leadership program alumni association board. Um, so we are able not only to keep in touch with the students who enter and graduate from the classroom, uh, but 
also keep in touch as peers and colleagues in the social space. Um, and I know I speak for Elizabeth and myself when I say we have the you know, fortune and blessing, blessing of being able to keep in touch with these individuals who go on to do incredible things in their career and um, become major gift officers and, and so much more. So it's really incredible and um, full circle. And I would just add briefly, if there's one word that's really resonated with me, regardless of the program one participates in or educational opportunity, it's the power of community and the power of networking within that community that I think has really been a key takeaway for me. So it's not just you know a recommendation that I would have to anyone who's interested in continued growth and development as a professional to invest in yourself and your continued education and you know so many of the ways I'm sure we'll talk about today, but it's to kind of take it one step further to connect with two or three people from that experience, to be a part of that community because the nonprofit community is so small and we have so much to learn from one another. And so there's like the formal education aspect of, you know, you're attending a conference or a webinar or a graduate program or a certificate program or your CFRE. And then there's the informal learning opportunities that you have from others who are also pursuing those opportunities as well. They complement each other. And I think they make the entire experience that much more enriching. Yeah, well, let's hop into a, another um, certifications. I know Lauren has a certificate in organizational leadership. You know, there's CFREs that um, our listeners may be familiar with. What um, kind of maybe compare and contrast like what someone might want to pursue a certificate as opposed to a full degree? I think certificates and any type of specifically online certification that you can receive is a wonderful supplement and complement to your full-time work and your resume. Even if it's something that you're simply interested in versus maybe it's not completely applicable to what you do in your full-time work. Um, I think it's a wonderful way to get your feet wet and kind of hop back into education and see if it's a fit for you to continue in your master's um, or maybe something greater. Um, and I also think it's a wonderful thing to explore as an affordable option. There are a number of public universities and private universities that are offering certificate programs at a deeply discounted or free rate. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to dive into um, and learn from. There's always networking possibilities, whether it be your professor or maybe some of your classmates. Um, I don't necessarily believe that a CFRE is required. I have some colleagues who are exceptional fundraisers who do have CFRE credentials. Um, um, but I think a master's degree, a certificate, or years of experience perfectly complement the skill set that a CFRE puts on paper. I would jump in as well. So I um, I have mixed perceptions of a CFRE. I will be honest, I don't know that much about what it entails. But when I think about my role and what I do to help nonprofit organizations hire, which is quite often... I don't necessarily see candidates who have CFR, CFREs like preferenced because of their CFRE. I think the market is so competitive right now that people are really looking for skill sets and they're looking for, for people that will bring energy and momentum to the cultures of the organization. So if someone has a CFRE, great. I think what matters more is do you have the energy and drive and appetite and skill set to really advance 
the project that you would be working on. So I think a CFRE is great if you really want to kind of dig into like the tactical application of fundraising skills, but I don't believe it's a prerequisite for career advancement. Okay. And let's hop into um, yet another one. There's so many opportunities. Conferences are obviously plentiful in the nonprofit space. Are they, I mean, we talked about certificates and and degrees so far, are conferences more of a good way to brush up on your skills and keep up with nonprofit trends? How do you view them? Absolutely. I think conferences are fantastic. And I always encourage my colleagues who are working in the nonprofit space and interested in career opportunities to ask your employer to fund your conference experience. I will say first and foremost, investing in employees' professional development is also investing in the success of your nonprofit. And it is so important that we provide our employees and our our colleagues with the opportunities not only to learn, but to connect with others in the field so they can continue learning from each other. So that is my one soapbox moment about the importance of investing in conferences for our colleagues. But absolutely, I think conferences are really important for three reasons. Number one, to your point, Amanda, about understanding trends, they are timely, they are relevant, they are talking about what is impacting the space right now. Number two is there's so many different tracks that can be tailored to your role in philanthropy or development. So I think it's really great for people if you're in the independent school world. There's CASE, there's NACE, there's so many great conferences. If you're in healthcare, there's the Association of Healthcare Philanthropy Conference. So what's wonderful about conferences is that they're not always so general that you might feel lost, but they have opportunities to really home in on your specific sector and role in philanthropy. And then the third opportunity goes back to networking, to connect with others who are in your field, who are eager to learn, eager to network, and eager to build relationships that transcend the two or three day conference that you're attending together. I would echo everything that you said. And I will um, just share when I worked at the University of Pennsylvania, um, the most transformational experience that I had um, while working there was the gracious professional development funds and support that I received and traveling to go to some of these conferences where there was a perfect balance of learning, but also practicing tactical skills in fundraising, whether it's uh, maybe shadowing an ask with somebody who is sitting next to you or writing a solicitation in real time. Um, That's just extremely valuable experience. And it's kind of a safe space to actually do it and learn and practice. And in fundraising, that's really invaluable. The time that you get to verbally ask for money or maybe get vulnerable and write a solicitation is, um, like I said, invaluable. So conferences, I just echo Elizabeth's statement that they're an incredible opportunity in fundraising. And Elizabeth, I know that you actually speak at conferences too. So can you explain how you've been able to get to that place where now others want to hear from you? Absolutely. And I will admit conference engagements and speaking opportunities have become some of my greatest joy moments as um, a consultant because It brings me energy and joy to share what I have learned in my decade of work in philanthropy to benefit others and to energize and inspire them to think about philanthropy more creatively and then to apply whatever the topics that we're discussing um, to their role as fundraisers. And so when I think about, you know, how to engage with professionals in this way, I ask myself three questions. How can I 
engage their interests and make them feel like this was a valuable use of their time? How can I provide some form of educational content? So they leave recognizing that they learned something new. And then how can I energize them and help people feel even more inspired about the work that they're doing? And so that's typically how I think about conference presentations. And, um, you know, I've probably given more than a dozen at this point, but how I got to this honestly was by putting myself out there and networking with others and asking questions and raising my hand and submitting proposals, which by the way, they don't all get accepted and, um, and kind of learning from the ones that didn't. And so I will say quite candidly, one of the greatest professional development experiences is public speaking, and it is creating a deck and asking yourself, would people want to sit through this topic? And what are the questions that I have and how can I answer those for others? So it's been a really exciting journey and one that I you know, continue to um, hope to grow. And I think that segues nicely into mentorship. So I'm curious if either of you mentor anyone else in the industry, kind of one-on-one. Yes. So um, I will say in two ways. So when I first started at CCS fundraising, I was assigned a mentor. And I am very fortunate in that our company and firm culture really prioritizes mentorship, both formally and informally. So for my first year, I had a mentor who was a senior executive, um, like an emerging executive on our team. And it was so helpful to understand from culture and career opportunities and navigating projects. And then three years into my career at the firm, I became a mentor. And um, I'm now actually part of the Association of Fundraising Professionals Mentorship Program. And I bring that up because for people who don't necessarily have a mentorship program in their um, company, and I would imagine most don't, I fully recognize that, the question becomes what are opportunities to become a mentor or find a mentor. And I think association AFPs are really great because they often will have mentorship programs that you can be a part of. And then um, I also have mentors myself. And those are um, a few women that I have developed relationships with. One of them was actually my former professor at, um, at Penn. And then another is an author of a book who I was so inspired by. I reached out to her. We had a coffee chat and We meet monthly now. And I say that because I do think mentorship is most effective when it's something that's sought out by the mentee, because there is a sense of, you know, eagerness to learn and grow that I think is very appreciated by the mentor. I have the um, lovely blessing of having several mentors, Elizabeth being one of them, um, but really following suit of women in the field has been so pivotal for my own career. And um, I'm very lucky to have received and been gifted my mentors early in my career. They're an incredible sounding board, whether it's reviewing an email that I need help with, negotiating a salary, whatever that might be. Um, And I'm in a place in my career now where I have those established relationships, but there was a period of of time, especially when I was in school, where I was really actively seeking those people out. And I think um, if I can give a pointer to those who are seeking a mentor, is that being 
respectful of the mentor's time is pivotal, but mentorship can take a lot of different forms. And that's, Elizabeth mentioned she meets with her mentor monthly and that's incredible, but mentorship can also be an email or a text or a specific ask when you need that support or guidance. So I think it can take on a lot of different forms. Um, and I will say a pleasure I have in my life now is uh, being a professor for undergraduate students is um, just, amazing because there's, you know, a couple in every class who are really invigorated by the nonprofit sector and maybe don't receive the education as an undergraduate student about what the nonprofit space looks like and being able to help them find jobs um, in, in, the, in the space is so rewarding and keeping in touch with them too. So, and they're lifelong relationships, you know, those people aren't going anywhere and you can stay in touch in a lot of different ways. So um, I wouldn't be where I am without my mentors. And I, I wanted to backtrack to something Elizabeth said, which which was interesting to me, because um, going into this, I'm thinking solely nonprofit education, but each each person in the nonprofit sector also has a mission that they have to be educated about as well. So I'm kind of curious if there's a couple things to touch on um, in regards to kind of gaining that to be able to make the ask and to be able to connect with people on the mission. I think it has to do with building relationships and being an active listener. So whenever I start working with a new nonprofit, I feel like I spend hours on their website. And then the first thing I do when I start that project is I have one-on-one meetings with the executive director, with the development director, with the board chair, with a couple other key people who are what I would consider to be subject experts. So if you are, for example, a museum, like your museum director and your museum curator, so I can really understand the intricacies of the organization and more importantly, the cultural nuances, because all of those elements are going to be really important when you then sit down with the donor and you are the ambassador of your institution. So to be able to then connect the donor's interests and what the donor cares about and inspire that person to make a generous investment, you need to be able to speak fluently in what I call your organizational vernacular. Um, so just to, just to wrap up, um, we went through a lot of opportunities that nonprofit professionals can consider to improve their skills. How should those working in the nonprofit sector kind of go through all these and decide what educational opportunity or opportunities are right for them and their careers? I think identifying the need first will help lead to a result. So um, somebody who might be transitioning in their career or wanting to take the next step might consider seeking out a mentor. And that can happen in your own community, your own network, or maybe on LinkedIn, you follow somebody who you feel is influential. And all it takes is one moment of vulnerability to reach out to ignite that conversation. Um, but I would also say, as Elizabeth has mentioned, look within your organization or your company and see what resources are already available to you. If there's a mentorship program that exists, if there's funding for professional development, that is a, a win and that is a great start. Um, if you are considered considering pursuing a master's degree, I would say do your research first. Try to talk to alumni, talk to the program director and really get a sense of if it's the right fit for you. It is a multi-year commitment and it's oftentimes an, an investment. Um, so take a couple steps first before completely diving in, make sure it's the right time and place for you to start that academic journey. 
Okay, great. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you to our guests, Lauren and Elizabeth. It was great to hear all your insights into nonprofit education. And thank you for listening. I hope you learned um, all the educational opportunities that are available to you in the nonprofit space. On behalf of Nonprofit Pro, I'm Amanda Cole, and I will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of the Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.